the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for joining us today for On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rhody Fisher. As a Christian mom for over 40 years and a teacher of the Bible in public schools for 25 years, Rhody will take you on a journey with some of her friends as they share their experiences and testimonies from their walk with Christ. You'll see that you are not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Now, here's your host, Rhody Fisher. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Thank you for joining us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day and bless our time here with you. We invite you, Lord, to be here and lead in, leading us and guiding us. Be with my special guests here, myself and there. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. I can't believe we're already in Psalm 72. Um, so we're going to start Psalm 72. And the beginning of Psalm 72, it says of Solomon. And <clears throat> so verse 1, Lord, we pray that you give us understanding of your word. Okay, here it is, verse 1. Endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. He will judge your people in righteousness and afflicted ones with his justice. The mountains will bring prosperity to the people, the hills, the, the hills, the fruit of the righteous. He will defend the afflicted among the people and save the children of the needy. He will crush the oppressor. He will endure as long as the sun, as long as the moon throughout all generations. He will move like rain falling on the mowed field, like showers watering the earth. In his days, the righteous will flourish. Prosperity will abound until the moon is no more. He will rule from the sea to the sea, from the from the river to the ends of the earth. The desert tribes will, will bow before him, and his enemies will lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and, and of distant shores will bring tribute to him. The kings of Sheba and Seba will present him gifts. All kings will bow down to him. All nations will serve him, for he will deliver the needy who cry out and the afflicted who have no one to help. He will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. He will rescue them from oppression and violence, for precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May gold from Sheba be given to him. May people ever pray for him and bless him all day long. Let grain abound throughout the land. On the tops of the hills may it sway. Let its fruit flourish like Lebanon. Let it thrive like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever and may it continue as long as the sun. All nations will be blessed throughout through him and they will call him blessed. Praise be to the Lord God, the God of Israel who alone does marvelous deeds. Praise to his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. This concludes the prayer of David, son of Jesse. Thank you for your word, Lord. So we're, we're, I'd like to take the time. I'm going to um, introduce our guest right now. I'm going to say that I probably met, I probably met Gregory in 1973. He probably doesn't mm-hmm. remember this, but that's when I met his mom and I met his whole family. Actually, it was um, your two sisters. Maylene wasn't born then and your dad and mm-hmm. your dad and mom used to come over to my house in Anaheim for dinner. And um, and you were just a little tight back then in 73. But Gregory Lease, welcome to the show. Yes. Thanks for having me. Okay. Uh, now, I might know a lot about you, and I said to you the other day, I kind of know you more through your mom's eyes. You prayed mm-hmm. for every one of her kids 
um, and we were daily prayer partners. And so we talked every morning um, and and went over all kinds of stuff. She probably knows more about my kids through my eyes. But I'd like the audience to get a sense of who you are. And so if you could talk about your background a little bit, um, I'd really like for the audience to get to know you better. Excuse me. Yeah, sure. You know, I noticed the verse that you read. It says, those who dwell in the wilderness will bow before him and his enemies will lick the dust. Mm -hmm. And that is so awesome because you're talking about praying with my mom, praying every day. And sometimes when we pray, we're in a wilderness experience. And when we bow before him, there's a promise here that says our enemies shall lick the dust. And there's so much power in prayer. Um, But my background. Thank you for that. I love it. Okay, great. Yeah. You know, you know, I was going to talk about this um, scripture. I mean, this chapter. And I think I said to you this morning before we even got here, before we even got on the show, listen, I forgot my notes at home mm-hmm. and I could wing it. But I make, <laughs> I make so many mistakes when I try to wing it that I thought I better not. But, you know, I, I love this chapter. There's so there's so much meat here. Well, look at verse 15b. It says prayer also will be made for him continually pray without ceasing when we pray continually things happen and then it says and daily he shall be praised and that we're going to get into my testimony later but praise is part of my testimony praise is what took me out of the miry pit of my wife uh dying at such a young age leaving me with three young kids uh this this verse means so much for me because it 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 praising him keeps our eyes off our circumstances which lead to despair and allows us to see with our spirit that leads to hope and victory. So uh, anyway, prayer will be made for him continually. And that's why I think you're here, because you're a woman who prays. Oh, well, thank you. I, I, I was thinking about six, um, I think it's Ephesians 6.18. Yes. Um, about prayer, prayer, pray without ceasing. Um, and the so full armor that, of God. Yes. Okay. So we, we could, we could go there too. And and um and read that verse but be okay, strong in that, the lord yes and okay. in the power of his might if you get there before <clears throat> i do i'm gonna let you read it six eight i uh, am six. here praying always with all prayers and supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints and then he says and pray for me <laughs> yes, yes yes i i love that that um that scripture, Ephesians 6. That I may open my mouth boldly to make them in the mystery of the gospel. And he sure did. Yeah. But he did it through prayer. Oh. He spoke boldly, but he spoke boldly through prayer. And he exactly. knew he knew he was the worst of the worst. <clears throat> you know, we're talking about power. Paul now. We're talking about Paul. God promises power to the weak. And Paul knew he was weak based upon what he has done. Yeah. But one thing that holds people back, no matter what God has done for them, they always look back to the way they were with regret. Right. People with addictions especially. But you know what? Even if you don't have a, an addiction, everybody has stuff in their past that we shouldn't have done. We know we're forgiven, but that regret holds us back to the fullness of what God would have for us. Exactly. And, um, and that just needs to be put upon the altar of the Lord. Uh, Leviticus 6.13 says, a fire shall always be burning upon the Mm -hmm. altar. It shall never go out. So we take that regret, we put it on the altar, and it burns up. But Paul, boy, yeah, he was used of the Lord, as everybody knows, and he spoke boldly. He spoke boldly because he knew that really he was weak. God gives power to the weak. And he had more power than anybody because he knew he was weak. Yeah, and 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 it says, you know, and I think it says that in um, Colossians, um, mm-hmm. when when we are when when we are weak, we're strong in Him. Um, but <clears throat> we're talking about the full armor of God. Yes. I do want to say one thing about this, and we are going so off script, mm-hmm. off the script right now, which is great. But you mentioned the full armor of God, which yes. is part of um, Ephesians six. And if you if you look at um, Ephesians six ten, it says, "Finally, be strong in the Lord, yes. and in His mighty power, put on the full armor of God, so that we can take your stand." Yep. 
against the devil's schemes. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things I want to point out here is we're going to pull pull up, put on the full armor of God. Why? So that we could beat up our enemies? No, it says so we could take our stand. He says Mm -hmm. to stand there against the devil's schemes. Um, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, chapter, I mean, verse 12. Right. Um, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of darkness, um, of darkness in this world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand. Yes. <clears throat> so we're not fighting yet. We've got the full armor of God on, but nobody's fighting but God. God's going to be the person to fight for us. Mm-hmm. And we're able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, here we are still standing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then it says in verse 14, stand firm then <clears throat> with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and your feet fit, fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So we're looking at the scripture, and when you think about putting on, you know, the breastplate and and carrying the sword and being ready to fight, that's why you've got the armor on. Well, we don't really have to fight. We just have to be ready to duck all of his blows. But really, God is the one that fights for us. Absolutely. And I'm amazed at how many times the Lord tells us to put on the full armor of God and stand. And that's all we have to do. We just need to show up and stand with our armor on. And if you look at Joshua in the book of Jericho, before the walls of Jericho even fell, God said, this city has been taken. I have given this city to you. It has been taken. But this is what you have to do. You have to show up. You have to bring the ark of the Lord. You have to bring the trumpeters and the people with arms go before the trumpeters and I want you to walk around, but I want you to know this has already been delivered to you, mm-hmm. but they had to show up right. and they had to stand and then they had to walk. Right. And then those walls fell down with absolutely no effort upon uh, Joshua right. from Joshua and from the armies of God. They right. just had to stand. And we are afraid sometimes to show up. We're afraid yeah. to stand. Why? Because we don't have the armor on. When we have the armor on, we know that we can stand and we have the confidence. So we show up, we stand, and then God works. And, you know, here's the other thing. Um, uh, My friend and I were talking about this. When you put the full armor of God in. Yeah. um, And when you think of armor, you really think of um, places of old, like those old castles. Yes. And the medieval time when they did wear armor. But you've got the full armor on. And it does kind of make sense because uh, the enemy does attack us at home in our mind sometimes and, you know, try to trip us up in our own home. Yes. But while we were dressed with the full armor, are we supposed to just hang out at home? No. You, you, you're going to go places. So where he tells you to go, you're going to go into some of those scary places. You're going to go wherever he calls you to go. You're going to go. And you've got that full armor on. So some of us like to get that full armor on and then we just relax on the couch, right? <laughs> you know, let's get out of our homes and let's go out in the field and let's go out on the where the enemy is and face the enemy and get the word out. Well, yeah, you know what? What prevents us from just getting suited up and just staying in the house is the sword of the spirit. I've got a six-year-old son and he has this plastic sword and he's th- he thinks he's a ninja. So he goes outside and he twirls it and it looks pretty cool. And he has his own YouTube channel showing people how to do that. But when we take the sword of the spirit and we start meditating on it and it starts going through our mind, we all of a sudden get this boldness that we never had because we see the promises of God and what he has for us. And so we just want to run out the door when we're filled with the spirit and have the promises of God. So that's very important. The, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Amen. Yes. Let's get the full armor on. Yes. Uh, the shield of faith. Um, Breastplate of righteousness. All yes. of it. Okay. Let's so let's go. get back on track here. Background. Um, okay. So we're going to talk about a little bit about your background. Um, like I said, I've known you since you're a little little guy. And so 
let's start from there. Where were you born? How many kids in your family? Um, the dynamics of the family. Did you go to church every Sunday and and all of that stuff? So uh, born in Long Beach, California, moved to Anaheim in your neighborhood when I was about, uh, I don't know, 12 or so. Um, three sisters. But uh, my dad was an elder in the Presbyterian Church. And my mom came from a background of Catholicism. Mm -hmm. And my mom was converted at the Billy Graham Crusade. And I think it was 1969. And she just became on fire for the Lord. So the good thing with me, a lot of people say, you know, I was I grew up in a non-Christian home, but I was blessed. I grew up in a Christian home and uh, we went to church every Sunday. And uh, my dad was faithful to do that, to take us to church. He was very quiet. He was very conservative. We went to a church that um, they never raised their hands, uh, never spoke in tongues, and the, the mystery of the Holy Spirit was not really uh, emphasized. But I had that basis. I had that uh, foundation in the Lord, mm -hmm. and that paid off huge. When you know it says, "And you shall stand in the in the wicked day." When the wicked day came, that foundation. Uh, paid off immensely. Yeah. So when I met your your mom and dad and mm. your family, you were living in Stanton. Yeah. And so you'd moved from Long Beach to Stanton, and then um, you you were attending uh, St. Paul's Presbyterian there on um, yes. Magnolia, which I remember. Right. And your mom um, was always, you know, wanting to take other kids with um, with you mm -hmm. um, when she took you guys to Bible study or Sunday school and and if there was a you know night that my kids weren't doing anything, I think you guys had um, Bible study um, on Wednesday. I, I don't think it was Wednesday night. I think it was Thursday night. Mm -hmm. But um, our kids were would go Wednesday night, and so she would pick up my kids and and take them to St. Paul's Presbyterian. I remember that. Too. Yeah. So um, so you grew up in a Christian home. When does Jesus become your savior? Um, you know about Jesus. You grew up um, probably maybe accepting the Lord as a child. And so when when do you when do you really rely on Jesus as being your savior? Yeah, that's a great question. And for me, it happened when my dad passed away. Um, everything was perfect. Literally, we my mom and dad loved each other. Uh, we, we came from a, a household where there was love, uh, never wanted for anything else. And my 10-year-old mind couldn't even imagine anything different. Well, when my dad passed away, I found myself one day in the kitchen with, with my mom, my two sisters, and there is this, this grief that I never even imagined, uh, uh, this sadness, this, this heaviness. I never experienced the trauma of, of losing a loved one. And I remember um, my mom decided to put in a tape sung by a, a beautiful black woman named Juanita Hargis. And she sang at my dad's funeral. She sang To God Be the Glory, written by Andre Crouch. Mm -hmm. And um, she recorded that later. And so my mom put that tape in and she started the tape before singing the song by addressing us kids. And Kimberly was one and a half years old. She's mm -hmm. and now Gregory and Deborah and Kimberly. So you're the oldest. I'm the oldest. I was ten years old at the time. And she said this, and I never heard this before. She said, "And we know that all things work together for good mm -hmm. to those who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose." I had never heard that before. Yet I believed it. And going back a little bit in my testimony, I'll refer to it later. But I saw the change in my dad a couple years before he died. He was diligently seeking the Lord and God rewarded him. But that was a background. But when she shared that scripture, all of a sudden I believed. And I believed because he believed. I saw the change. And it brought uh, hope to a 10-year-old boy who couldn't see how this could possibly work out. And I didn't understand how it was going to work together for the good, but I believed it. And that's the first time the word of God became real to me. And it made a huge difference in my life when I was 10 years old after my dad died. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. And, and trauma that, that deep 
um, can only be experienced once it happens. Um, I remember mm. when um, when Walt died, my previous husband, people would say to me, gosh, you know, I know how you feel. And mm. I think to myself, well, their no, husband is still alive. Um, I don't know that much about their past, but I do know that they've only been married once and their husband is still standing next to them. Mm. How can they ever understand how I feel? And, and, and the same with losing a child um, yes. um, and the same with losing parent when you are a child and the same with lo- losing someone that's really, really close to you. Unless that person in that relationship that passed away has not happened to you, you'll never know the depth of, of the grief people feel with, with that type of experience. And, and you can't even explain it to them. That's the, that's the frustrating part. Yeah. Yeah. So your dad passed away when, when, um, you were 10. And so you grab onto the Lord's hand tighter than you ever had. Yes. Great. Now, um, so let's fast forward a little bit. You, I remember, um, you, I was saying this earlier, I remember how you and your sister ran track. So you were constantly running down the neighborhood over to the park or, you know, whatever Um, track became a real thing for both of you. Mm -hmm. And you ran track in junior high and high school or just just in high school, junior high, high school, college and post collegiately. Oh, wow. Okay. So the whole thing. Right. (laughs) Okay. So um, did that help you through this grief period? I don't know when you started running. Because it seemed like you you kids were always running. Mm-hmm. But w- when did you pick up? Um, well, my uh, dad always used to, he was my hero. He would play catch with me. Uh, he would take me to, to baseball games, football games. And so at that time, I was a baseball player and a football player. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was an escape. I, running started three years later, but sports was always an escape for me. Um, so So that helped. My mom would always say, your daddy's in heaven. That that helped a lot, too. Uh, but no, I didn't get into it actually competing and running for about three years later. Mm-hmm. And incidentally, that is what actually uh, brought me into uh, serving the Lord in missions. And, okay, take yeah. us there. So you're, you're running, and that becomes something that you like doing. Right. You're in junior high. You, you're running competitively. And um, as as most people know, athletes really have to... Um, do a lot of practicing to get to the to, to that competitive state. So you're running and you're 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 winning some awards, yeah, winning some races. Running was a gift. Uh, a gift will bring you, will always make room for you. So it was nice when we moved from Stanton to Anaheim. I immediately started running, got into track, and I was I didn't want to have friends because I was rebelling against the fact that my mother remarried and moved us and I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to make friends, but I started running and that brought me out of my shell and and gave me friends. Um, But the running eventually uh, enabled me to go to college and uh, and actually go on my first mission trip because my mission trip was with a group called Athletes in Action. And at the time, it was a track and field. It was an athletic ministry of Campus Crusade for Christ. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> it was uh, at a point in my life where I didn't know what I was going to do for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And we took a trip to Korea. We took a trip co- to Korea. Two things happened there. One, uh, especially back in the, the late 80s, the Korean church was a church that prayed. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time where we stayed was a, was a headquarters of Campus Crusade for Christ in Korea. And one night, Friday night, they had a prayer meeting. And I walked into this room, and I'll never forget seeing a large group of people. And one girl in particular had this look on her face of grieving. I saw her. She never saw me. But she was grieving over the loved ones and they were praying and they had such a fervency in prayer. And as a result, everybody we talked to later on during that trip was open to the Lord. So that really, so the running brought me to the mission to Korea where I got a uh, a vision of what prayer could do and, the, and to see the earnest of the, of the 
Korean people praying. And then to make matters even better, God blessed me. He gave me the desire of my heart because in Seoul, Korea, it's nothing but hills. In fact, in order to get up to our compound, we had to run a half mile up the hill to get there. And so I, I, I went from, I was a good runner when you compare myself with everybody else, the non-runners, but collegiately, I was just kind of below average. But after coming, going on that trip, spending a month in Korea, God somehow uh, enabled me to get better. And it's from running all those hills. And I came back and I was offered a scholarship uh, shortly thereafter to go to UC Santa Barbara and finish out my schooling there where I further got into Campus Crusade and eventually went on staff with Campus Crusade. But it's interesting how God will use the gifts that he has given you, in my case, running, to open doors. You know, you don't have to break those doors down. You just have to show up. I know. And you just have to knock. And he opens those doors. Right, right. That no man can. Yes, and no man man can shut. shut, Close, yes. Yes. A couple of things that you said that I want to add on to the story, maybe uh, I didn't know this, but I remember talking to your mom every single day, um, and maybe we might miss a day or two, but we prayed all the time. Uh And for some reason, she neglected to tell me that you guys were moving into our neighborhood. As a matter of fact, you moved four four doors down from us. Oh, you didn't know? I didn't know that. (laughs) And so... um, I knew she was moving, mm-hmm. but for some reason, I guess I wasn't curious enough, curious enough to ask where. And um, the kids came in. My kids were outside playing, and they came running in the house saying, did you know that Emily moved down the street? No and idea. so I said, you mean in, in so-and-so's old house? Uh-huh. And they said, yes. I said, you're kidding me. And so there, there you were already moved in four doors down and you guys were acting as though you had been there a week, but you'd been there just a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And so I raced over to Emily and said, my gosh, <clears throat> I didn't know you were moving into our neighborhood. She says, you mean you live here? <laughs> She'd been to our house a yes. dozen times. I'd been to your house too. And, and she would come from the Brookhurst way to come to the house. But apparently when she first saw this house, she came in through the chalet way and she didn't realize it was the same neighborhood. And I said, I said, Emily, it's the same neighborhood. I live right down the street. <laughs> Anyhow, that was kind That's, of funny. I never that knew ha- that. Yeah, yeah. The Lord set that up. I know. We couldn't have planned that. I better. know. It was really great. And so, yeah, I just need to walk down the street to see her. Mm. And, the second thing that I wanted to talk about, what, what you mentioned, was Korea. Yes. You know, when Mark and I, well, we, we've always known that Korea sends more missionaries yes. throughout the world than any other one country per capita. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about per capita of the number of people that live in that country. They send Kore- Koreans send missionaries all over the world. and. Yep. And so that was one thing that I was impressed by. The second thing was the largest church in the world is in Korea. Yes. And so we got to go to that church. And they have multiple services all day long in all different languages because it's a crossroad of a lot of different people, Chinese, Korean, Japanese, uh, you know, English, every language in the South Pacific, they have they have um languages in their in their church so mark and i got to go to that and we were really blessed to know that now i was going to ask you was the subway in when you were there did you guys get on the subway at all or were you traveling by bus i i believe we were i believe we did both it's i have to stop and think because i've been to so many countries (laughs) which ones had so i think they had both yes okay because subway there was so great um, and you know, we walked the city, we took cabs, um, or, and, and, and even Uber. Um, but the subway was so great. We traveled a lot through the subway too. Mm-hmm. And we took tours that the buses would come out, but I was totally in love with Korea. As a matter of fact, we're hoping to go there this year, but we'll see what happens with mm-hmm. the Lord wants. But I love the food. I love the people. And it, it's such a clean country and such a loving country. Anyhow, yes, that was, very friendly people. that's going off track here. And they're on fire, yeah. On fire <laughs> for the Lord, yes. So that was really great. 
Now, um, so you're you're in college and you're um, you've joined Athletes in Action. And when do you become? Um, when do you actually work for them and not just kind of you know join it like a club? Well, uh, it. I was in Campus Crusade for Christ. And I knew I didn't know what I wanted to do for a living. I didn't know what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. But when I was in Korea and we were witnessing to these uh, track people and God was using my ability to run to open up doors to share the gospel. You're talking about people that are running track with alongside of you. Well, I'm talking about um, people we competed against mm-hmm. and uh, teams that we were, were able to go in and speak with mm-hmm. and, and spectators that we were able to hold uh, uh, evangelistic meetings with and, and other youth teams. We just went, they had us going everywhere sharing the gospel. But my point is, is that um, it was the first time I realized God can use this for his glory and I could uh, go into the mission field and use the gift of, of running to get into speaking to teams about the Lord and anyone else who had listened to me, too. So um, so it was in Korea that I realized this is what I want to do. I want to go into the mission field. And uh, there was an athletic ministry of Campus Crusade for Christ. And I, I said, this is what I want to do. Um, there was only one problem with that, though. I I I wasn't good enough at at the time, <laughs> but the to make a long story short, uh, I, I came back and I got better, and I was able to go to UC Santa Barbara for them graduate, and then finally join uh, Athletes in Action, and and so that was a trip that kind of opened up the whole thing. Okay, so being out in the mission field was great, and now I'll just say that Mark and I just celebrated our. 28th anniversary. And I remember when we first got married and I was writing out checks for the the month, I noticed that we were sending a check to you Yeah, because you were in ministry. And Mark (laughs) said, yeah, I've been supporting this guy for years. Mm -hmm. And I said, you have, I've known us, you know, so of course we had to kind of, it it wasn't a coincidence that Mark was supporting you as a missionary, as you were out in the mission field before we even got married. And it wasn't a coincidence that I was really good friends with your mom for, at that time, um, over 20 years. And it wasn't a coincidence that we moved into your neighborhood, not even knowing you lived there. No, crazy, <laughs> crazy. Yeah. But, but good. Mm-hmm. God just knows how to put it all together. So um, take us now that you're married um, with Amy. You've yes. got three kids. And God has moved you in a different direction for for the work that you do to provide for the family. Now, I, I remember years ago, you were teaching a singles group in, in Calvary Anaheim. And so mm-hmm. you stayed um, doing missions work um, here in California or at home. Uh, but you're married and you now have Caleb and um, Caleb was your first, right? Caleb, Allison and Joshua. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So um, tell us a little bit about um, getting married to Amy and having your first child and the kind of ministry that you were involved with, um, or does your family become your ministry? Well, I actually met Amy at church, mm-hmm. and it was the first day Pastor Mark uh, asked me to Calvary, uh, Anaheim. Calvary Chapel, Anaheim. Uh, great Bible teacher, really respected him. So when he asked me if I could lead a um uh, college and career group, I, I said, sure, I, I'd love to. You know, the first person who showed up to the first session of the college and career group was uh, my future wife, Amy, Amy Joy. And the, the interesting thing is, Rody, she didn't even go to the church. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I was in a previous uh, college and career group at that church when I was in college. Um, and and there, were, there was a couple, Kevin and Doreen Pine, and uh, they actually lived in the neighborhood that Amy lived in. And Amy had just graduated from high school and wanted to get into a church group because her church was too small. They didn't have a college and career group. So she shows up, the cutest little thing, wearing this this uh, white jacket, white puffy jacket, and her smile caught me right away. Um, but that's how I met her uh, w- when I was doing ministry. It w- I was doing ministry, teaching the college and career group, and God sent her to me. And I really believe that's a principle. You serve the Lord 
And God takes care of the rest, yeah. even to the point where he, he will send someone to you anyway. Um, so. I, I, I interviewed uh, Caleb last week. Um, I don't know if you know Cal- C- Caleb Beller, but um, he's kind of said the same thing. You know, here he uh-huh. was doing ministry and he's at a at a restaurant and the person that waits on him is oh. is from the mission field. She's on furlough and she's trying to get earn some money so that she can get back out, you know, to the country that she was ministering in as a, as a, as an, you know, out on the field ministry mm. type thing. And she waits on him and the rest is history. Uh-huh. So God does take care of his own when you're, when you're out on the mission field yes, and, and doing, doing his work. Um, it, there's a scripture that I'm, that I'm trying to think of that says when you're about his work, be about yours, something to that effect. I'll have to look at, mm-hmm. but he always takes care of you. So you meet her and mm-hmm. fast forward. Um, we've got about 15 minutes here. So fast forward, you're, you, you meet, you get married, you have Caleb, your first child and, and, um, go ahead. Yeah. So life was uh, extremely good. Um, God had brought Amy to me. Um, we got married on 777. <laughs> we had Caleb on our honeymoon. Um, Allison came a few years later and then, uh, and then tragedy struck. And if, if I can use this time to enter into that story, uh, it, it had a profound effect on me. Um, Amy was pregnant with our third child, Joshua, and she was eight months pregnant. And she notices a lump on her breast and she goes to the doctor and the doctor tells her that she has breast cancer. And um, just if you've never experienced anything like that, it's definitely a punch in the gut. Um, But, uh, you know, it's interesting because God did an an amazing thing. Um, My wife ended up passing away, but before she did, God actually healed her. Uh, She had that lump and we went for prayer. And a woman prayed for her and, and didn't really say much. But after, at the end of the prayer, she said, Amy, um, is there any way we can know that God has healed your cancer? And Amy says, well, yeah, I've got a lump on my breast. It's about the size of a golf ball. And she was feeling it and she could not feel that lump. God had done something through that prayer, reduced that lump to where she couldn't even feel it. So we went back to the, the, uh, breast cancer doctor. And he said, yeah, I don't know what happened. What did you do? And we told them we prayed and it had shrunk uh, almost completely gone. And then we went back three months later and it had gotten even smaller. And for the next year and a half, Amy was healthier than she'd ever been. She was not sick, not one day, not one day. She had energy. She looked great, but you know, it is appointed for a man to die once. You know, and then comes judgment. Um, so Amy, Amy passed away, and um, I, I rem- now. How many years is that? Is it like four years? Um, I remember it, going to the service, and I'm, and I, I'm feeling like it's three or four years ago. So it was, it was four and a half years ago. It, she passed away on Christmas Eve of all days. Yeah. At five oh eight in the evening, um, she she was home uh, on hospice and. Uh, and she passed away with with her family there. Um, and, and you know, there's one of the favorite passages of scripture says um, it says he gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. And I remember uh, just sitting there on the ground uh, again with this burden that is just I can't even. Oh, you can understand what it feels like because you've been through that. But I was weak. I was weak. And God promises power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. And God has increased my strength through that time, um, definitely. But, you know, I want to say that, uh, and I'll I'll tell you how he did. And and I had never been so low in my my life. You know, uh, Christmas, Christmas morning, I wake up. And at six o'clock in the morning, why would you wake up at six o'clock in the morning after your wife passed away? Because I had a son that was one years old and he was in his crib and he didn't know what was going on. And he calls out, mommy, kind of excited, mommy, mommy. And I had to get up out of bed, pick him up. And 
I didn't know what I would say to him, but I, I held him and I took him to a picture that we had of mommy and me and the family on the wall. And I just, I pointed and I said, mommy. And he looks at me and he says, mommy. And he smiled. And God gives a special grace to, to kids. Um, a week later, I went to church for the first time. And I walk in there after checking in the kids in their different Sunday school rooms. And I just remember being overcome with grief. And this, we started singing a song. And the the lyrics are, I'll just read them. It says, death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. You silenced a boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory, for you are raised to life again. You have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. And I was standing with my hands raised, just with tears rolling down my, my eyes, trying to get it, the words out. And God saw that I was hurting. God saw that I was weak, weak and weeping. And as God is my witness, Rody, I look up and I see a vision of Amy in heaven, raising her hands to the Lord and worshiping the Lord with us. And I realize that though she's gone, yet she's in the presence of God. And when I'm worshiping the Lord in praise and worship, he's renewing my strength, but he's also placing me in the presence of God where Amy is. And I realized that the presence of God was a place. The love of God was a place. And Amy thrives in that place. And I, when I get into that place, I thrive too. And you know what? At that point, see, it says in the Bible that, that Christ, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, will be able to comprehend with all the saints. Now, most of the saints are actually in heaven, Mm -hmm. and they can comprehend the love of God. And that is our promise, too, that you may be able to comprehend what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of God which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Mm -hmm. And through worship, I realize God's presence can fill me with all the fullness of of God. So that was one way how he strengthened me. And um, I'm going to just go ahead, um, add something, because I remember um, just grieving for a long time after Walt died, previous husband. Yes. He kind of the talk of the neighborhood. He was such a presence. (laughs) The kids, he was all over that neighborhood. Yes. But anyhow, um, I, I remember not being able to get out of this grieving. Um, yes, I went to his funeral two weeks later. I, it took me two weeks to even have his service because I just didn't think I could stand. I understand. Um, I, when, when I heard he, he was at the hospital and he didn't make it because I, I left him at home that day. And John came home, found him and called 911 and he died at the hospital. And I, I thought, what happened? Where, where are they? What's going on here? when I got home and I couldn't stand once they told me he was gone and I could barely walk for, I'm not talking about that day. I'm talking about for weeks. Mm -hmm. I was in such despair and I felt like hopeless. I, I wasn't angry with God. I was really disappointed. Like this isn't the way I had planned it. Yes. And, and I remember the Lord getting me out of this deep sadness um, by giving me a dream about Walt. And I saw him um, come into the house and I, I, I walked down the hallway in my house and hit the um, garage door opener so that I could open the garage door. And I looked in the garage and I thought, wow, what, ha- what happened to all of Walt's things? Somebody hmm. took it. And then Walt walked in with this huge light in, and he always wore a three-piece suit and he was dressed in a three-piece suit yes. with this bright light around him. Wow. And I thought, I started running towards him and he said, no, don't touch me. He's, I've just come from heaven. Uh-huh. And he said, and I've seen your sadness and I need to let you know that you were right about heaven. Because, I, you know, for, for a lot of people, they, don't, they, they thought Walt was probably a Christian 
except my close friends knew that he wasn't because mm-hmm. he did a lot of good works. Yes. Feed the homeless. Very generous. You know, yeah, he was very generous. But um, and he accepted the Lord three months before he died. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, three months before he died. So it was a new conversion for him. Yeah. And he's and we used to always say to him, Dad, you're not my kids would say, Dad, you're not gonna make it to heaven. And it's such a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. And he's he said, You were right about heaven. It's such a beautiful place, but it's even more beautiful (laughs) than you can ever imagine. Yes. And so I'm standing here listening to him say that. And he says, and I know you need to get out of that bed Mm -hmm. and start living again. And the kids are going to. And that gave me so much hope. And he turned around and started walking out the garage door that was wide open, you know, that big door. Yeah. And I watched him walk out and the neighborhood turned back to the same neighborhood that bright light that was with him was gone and i woke up and i said to my mom who i forced to stay with me yeah okay mom you can go back to hawaii but god gave me that so that i could ease again um yes i i just i struggled to breathe yes i struggled to, i struggled to even have my bath i struggled to pray and i remember god i, I was feeling you know god wanted me to pray. Talk to me is what I heard in my, in my heart and my head. Mm-hmm. Talk to me. And I would say, Lord, you're being honest. I couldn't get the words out. And um, I I don't know. Um, I, I, I just know that the despair that I was in was deeper than I've ever been. But here you are. We've got about three minutes more. Mm-hmm. Here you are raising three kids. Now, I was raising two kids, but the truth be known, I would have jumped in the coffin I would, yeah. with him um, just to go. And, mm-hmm. I, and I even thought to myself, I, I wasn't suicidal. I just wanted to be with him. Right. I, I, I thought to myself, my kids are in their 20s. They can handle this. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they'll be okay. They'll be okay. But your kids were, are toddlers. And, and you had, um, I, Caleb was more like your age, wasn't he? Yeah, Caleb was eight. Allison when, was when five. He died, when your father died is what I mean. Well, I was 10, yeah. He was so, 10, he was close. so he was close. Yeah. Right. So your kids were little. Yeah. Yeah. Who's going to take care of them? You. Right. And I had done very little of uh, the cooking and cleaning and changing the diapers. I'd done a little bit of all that, but now I had to do all of it. Rely upon the Lord's strength. And it's a day-by-day thing, Rody. And if I don't turn on the praise music and start singing and, and doing that, I don't have the strength to do it. So I rely upon the Lord. But I wanted to, to go back and, and talk about Romans eight thirty five. Who shall separate us? And this is strength. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or persecution or, or, or distress or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet yeah. in all these things, even the death of a spouse, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. And this is the kicker for I am persuaded. I was not persuaded. You are not persuaded, but God has a way through his word, through the sword of the spirit of persuading us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So Amy is in his love. Walt is in his love, you're in his love, I'm in his love, and there's a strength to that. And unless I enter into his presence every single day, I'm lost, I'm tired, I don't have the motivation to do this, but I do. And he, and those kids, thank God, they gave me purpose because I wouldn't be getting out of bed either, but I had to because mm-hmm. I had a, a toddler who needed to be fed and a five-year-old and, a, and an eight-year-old and diapers to change and this and that, and then they got sick like that same week. But God gives power to the weak, to those who have no might. Yeah. And unless you've been in that situation where you have no might, you don't realize. But yeah. to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth. Yeah. We all mess up in our youth. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall what? Shall renew their strength. Renew their strength. Yes, that's so good. Um. I would like to thank you for being here. We probably could have extended oh, this another you. half yeah. hour. Um, and um, 
you're you're fighting the good fight. I mean, you've got those kids at home reminding you, Dad, where's dinner? Um, yes, even tonight. Do I have any clean clothes? <laughs> yes. Um, these shoes don't fit me anymore. We've got to get some new shoes. Uh-huh. All the things that kids say yes. and rely on their moms for. It's yes. you're, you're it. Yeah. And so you haven't remarried. You're you're pulling. You're you're holding all the balls in the air. You know. Yes. Um, <clears throat> juggling everything. Thank you so much, Greg, for coming. We may have to have him again mm. because there's a lot of um, things that we've talked about today that I think were really meaningful to get out there. But I'd like to speak to those of you that have maybe lost a spouse and maybe you're a Christian and you think, I can't do this. I've got kids here or maybe my kids are old. It was for me. And you're just thinking, God, you've made this huge mistake. You've taken him or her. I wasn't ready for this. This wasn't my plan. But God doesn't make any mistakes. His plan is always perfect. And, you know, I'm reminded of this. I just said this to your sister. Um, your your mom and your sister went to visit your your uncle in, yes, in Puerto, Puerto Rico. Rico. They get over there three hours before they land. The Lord takes your uncle home mm-hmm. to be with Jesus. And so they miss him by three hours. And so I hear from your mom and your, your sister. I said, you know, God doesn't make mistakes. I know it's hard to hear. It's but true. We're counted. We're we're appointed once to die, and then judgment. All things work together for good. All those scriptures flood into your head, but yes. they're hard to swallow when things are tough. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's you. It's hard to swallow. Thank you so much, Greg, for joining us. You're welcome. Thank, Thank you, you out there, listeners, for joining us today. And we'll be here again for you on the road with Jesus. Bye for now. Thank you for being here today for On the Road with Jesus with your host, Rody Fisher. Every week, you'll hear experiences and testimonies from her and her friends as they share their journey with Jesus. You'll see that you're not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. If you have a question about today's show, email Rody Fisher at rawfisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com. Spelled R-A-H-F-I-S-H-E-R at ontheroadwithjesus.com or leave a voicemail at 951-817-0094. That's 951-817-0094. On the Road with Jesus is sponsored by Global Expressions Language Project. Learn more at asquaredlamps.org. That's the letter A, squaredlamps.org. Be sure to join us each week at this same time for more On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rody Fisher. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.